Hey everyone, I hope you're all doing well and having a wonderful week. We are continuing our series that we began a few weeks back entitled Parenting in Today's Culture. And in this series, we're mainly just addressing how parents, especially uh, Christian parents, can guide and direct their children uh, as they navigate this confusing time and do so with a biblical worldview and in a way that honors and glorifies God. Because this is a really confusing time. There's so much being bombarded upon families with uh, media, with social media, with just uh, uh, public schooling, just you name it. There's just so much coming at us and it can oftentimes be overwhelming. And so how do we as parents guide our children in a way uh, that uh, our children are trained up with biblical values and can thrive in today's world? And we started at the outset saying that we need to have uh, a, a biblical idea of who God is because our thoughts and our beliefs about God really shape everything else in our life. If we believe that God is far and distant and removed from us, then that's going to shape how we make decisions. If we believe that he's actively involved in our day-to-day life and he hears from us and wants to move in our life, then that's going to affect how we uh, approach situations and circumstances. And so we talked in the first uh, couple weeks of the series about how how we know that there is a God, and we see that God has revealed Himself. We see that He's revealed Himself in nature. We see that He's revealed Himself through uh, divine special revelation, namely in Scripture. Uh, and we also saw that not only do we know that there is a God, not only do we know what God is like because He's revealed Himself, but we also know. Um, uh, what God wants from us because he's created us for a purpose and that purpose is a relationship with him. And that's going to be crucial, this understanding uh, of who God is and his purpose for us as we think through some of the circumstances and issues that we face in a, in our day-to-day life. And so if you have not uh, listened or watched those messages, if you're just starting with us uh, in this series, I really encourage you to go back and watch or listen to um, parts uh, one and then and we kind of broke one up into um, uh, two different sections because there was just so much to cover. So I encourage you to go back and watch or listen to those because that sets the the, um, the bedrock of everything else that we're going to talk about. Now, with that said, uh, this week we're going to be talking about uh, the LGBTQ issues that we find in the world today as well as social justice. Now, let me just say at the outset, I've covered uh, this topic in times past, and honestly, uh, just to kind of, um, in, a, in a spirit of transparency, I'm really tired of having to talk about these issues, and I'm tired of hearing about these issues. I wish that we could move on uh, to other things, um, but honestly, as a minister, I, I think one of the callings as a, as a pastor is to not only preach the gospel, but preach the gospel in the cultural context that um, God has placed me in. And a part of that cultural context, for better or for worse, whether I like it or not, is facing some of these issues. These are the things that uh, the people uh, of God that um, God has entrusted to me in this in this season of ministry, this is what people are, are facing and dealing with. And so I need to bring the gospel to bear on these issues. And so please understand, I don't enjoy talking about these type of things, but this is where we are, and this is what we have to face as uh, the, the people of God. And so um, I also understand that there are, everyone has a side 
uh, to these things, to these issues that we're going to be talking about. I understand that uh, everyone has an opinion on these things. And the unfortunate thing is that we've already formulated our opinions on this, um, and we often get in our little circles that believe like us, and then we shout at the other people and argue and, and fight against the other people who believe in a different way than us. And I understand that inclination that comes natural to every single one of us. I face that constantly whenever um, I see the things going on in the world around me. I want to uh, shout out and fight against those things. And I'm not saying that's wrong. I am saying that sometimes the way we go about that can be wrong. Because here's the thing. It's more important for us to win the hearts of people than it is for us to win arguments. And so often we can focus on winning the argument and we can lose the person. And so what I really want to do as we wrestle with these issues this week is I want us to first look at some things that we can all agree on, some things that we can build a bridge um, and then once we built that bridge and we can agree on things that we can agree on, then we can discuss some of the things that we, we differ on. And so let me just um, uh, note a few things real quick that I, I think uh, we can all agree on, or at least most people can agree on. First of all, I think we can all agree that there are people in this broken, fallen world that are suffering. There are people who are hurting. On both sides of these issues that we're talking about, we are broken people in a broken, sinful world, and we need to uh, reach out to uh, people and reach and, and love people. That's what Jesus did. And if we're his followers, we're going to reach out to those who are hurting and those who are in need and minister to them. Now, it doesn't mean that we condone or justify how they respond to that hurt and that suffering. Oftentimes, uh, you've probably heard the phrase before, hurt people hurt people. Um, oftentimes when we are hurting, when we are suffering, we respond in, in very uh, unhealthy ways, sometimes very sinful, ungodly ways. And so um, our hurt and our suffering doesn't justify sometimes the way we respond. Um, but we are, we uh, we do need to recognize the people that we are seeing who are doing some really ungodly, um, hurtful things are probably themselves also hurting. And we need to acknowledge that. Now, here's the other thing. We ought to love and minister those who are suffering. There are people who are confused, who are bombarded constantly by all kinds of lies and misinformation and all kinds of things that are are hurting them and confusing them, and we need to speak truth to those lies. Um, there are people who are hurting, who've gone through horrific things and have been abused and all sorts of things like that. We need to not um, argue at them, but we need to love them and minister to them. Now, that doesn't mean that we just have a cry fest and we just let them uh, voice their hurts and their concerns and we don't speak truth to them. The most loving thing sometimes is to speak truth into people's lives who... They don't have anyone else speaking truth to them. But we need to be careful how we do it. And we, we uh, there, there's so many things that go into um, ministering truth and love to people. Uh, and one thing that I, I'm constantly reminding myself, as well as other people, is you can be saying the right thing. You can be speaking truth, but be doing it in the wrong way. So I'm not saying pull your punches. I'm not saying that you don't speak truth to the lies that are all around us. But I am saying... Uh, we need to be careful how we're speaking that truth and how we're living that out uh, in our day-to-day -day life and how we're communicating that with our, our children as well. Um, and then uh, not only are there people who are suffering, not only do we need to minister and love on those who are suffering, but there are also some people 
who they're not really suffering, but they're just looking for attention and they're looking for validation and they're looking for popularity. Unfortunately, in this broken, fallen world that we find ourselves in, there is uh, our culture is one that celebrates the victim and gives power to those who are marginalized and victimized. And uh, that is not right because now you have people who are seeking those um, that victimization card. They're trying to be a part of some group so that they can claim. Uh, vic- uh, to be a victim and therefore to, to get some attention and to uh, be popular and things of that nature. And so we need to make that distinction between those who are truly confused and truly hurting and those who are just jumping on the bandwagon. And then the the last thing I just want to uh, put out there as something that we can all agree on is that there are extremes that we ought to avoid. I think Everyone can agree that there are these extremes on this particular issue and just about every issue that we need to avoid. There are some who want to celebrate and want to accept every kind of ungodly behavior that our world offers up. And that is wrong. We don't need to be uh, some of these um, so-called Christians who uh, just accept anything and everything this world offers and looks just like the world and just tries to put a biblical stamp on it. Um, that That's not what we ought to do. I think we can all uh, agree that um, young children, mutilating young children so that um, fall into some uh, category that our world is celebrating right now is wrong. I think we can all agree that while there is racism in the world, not everyone of a particular group is necessarily racist just because they're a part of a group or just because of something that has happened in the past. We need to not just launch into whatever our culture is telling us. But on the other side, as Christians, we need to also make sure that we don't end up hating the people that Christ came to die for. The enemy is not the people who are in the picket lines and who are shouting and screaming and falling into the ways of the world. the enemy is the spiritual forces that are blinding the people of the world to fall in line with his agenda. And so uh, we need to fight not as the world fights, but fight with uh, uh, the weapons of the Holy Spirit as we see in Scripture. And we need to fight with prayer and with the gospel. Um, and so we need to understand clearly that there are some extremes that we need to avoid when pursuing um, the, these type of topics. So just keep that in mind. Now, with that said... And the question I want to now um, draw our attention to is how do our thoughts of God shape how we approach these particular issues? Now, what we see is, um, first of all, we understand, as we said the last couple of weeks, that there is a God and that he's created everything that we see. He's created and designed each of us. And biblically speaking, he's created us body uh, spirit and soul. Now, there is some debate whether or not the spirit and soul are the same thing. There's a big Christian debate about that, but we're going to set that aside. That, that's just too deep in the weeds for us for this week. Suffice it to say, I do think there is biblical evidence that there is, uh, a, we have a physical body, but we also have a spirit and we have a soul. And the spirit and soul are different things. We see this in 1 Thessalonians 5.23. We see this in Hebrews 4.12. We see this in a number of areas. And I think that also speaks to us being made in the image of God, with God being uh, in Trinity with um, the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, the Son being the physical representation of 
uh, the, the Father and the Holy Spirit. And so in God, you have um, uh, three components. Two of them are spirit, one of them is flesh. In us, you have three components. One of them flesh, two of them spirit, are immaterial. And so I, I think that's a part of what it means to be created in the image of God. This is what sets us apart from the rest of creation. Now, we won't get into all the, the nitty-gritty of what's the difference between spirit and soul. That's an interesting topic that I encourage you to look deeper into. Maybe we'll get into that at some point. But back to kind of uh, our focus, God has created us. Uh, with a, a material part and with an immaterial part, a, a, a fleshly body and a spiritual soul and, uh, and spirit. And so uh, that's important as it relates to these issues that we're talking about because uh, w- with the LGBTQ issue, uh, you cannot separate um, body and spirit or soul. You cannot uh, separate the physical part of you and the spiritual part of you. God created us to be both physical and spiritual. Um, That is why you see at the end of uh, uh, human history when everything is said and done, there's a new heaven, a new earth, and we spend all of eternity with God. We're not just disembodied spirits floating around with God, but we are given a new body, a physical new body. Uh, And and our soul and our, our body is joined together and we will be on a new earth, a new physical earth. And um, I think that's an important part because that's how God originally intended us to live. And so these uh, that, that it weighs very heavily into these particular issues because with the LGBTQ issue, they say that your body has nothing to do with your personhood, that there is a part of me that is me, and I can change and augment my body however I want to fit the more truer version of me that you can't see. And so this whole argument separates spirit and body um, and, 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 and makes prioritizes one over the other. And as Christians, as biblical-minded Christians, we can't do that. We are both and. My physical body affects my spirit, and my spirit affects my body. For instance, there are some people who can have a chemical imbalance in, in, their, in their brain and in their mind that predisposes them towards depression, that predisposes them towards certain addictions and things like that. And that is a physical consequence of the fall. And that needs to be treated with various medications and things like that. But that physical chemical imbalance in, in the body can influence how I, um, how I relate to God and how, how my spiritual life is doing. And so we see there that the spiritual and the physical are connected. And, the, and, and it goes the other way around as well. There can be things going on in my spiritual relationship with God, in my prayer life, the spiritual things going on there. And because of those spiritual things, it can, um, it can affect what's going on in the physical. Um, because I am having a difficult time in my prayer life, that can cause me to uh, worry, which then can create ulcers, and it can lead to poor health. I can't sleep. Uh, and all these sort of things, that's because there's an intimate connection between our bodies and our spirits, and they play into one another. And those who are in the LGBTQ community, community they divide spirit and body, and they emphasize one over the other. We also see this, not to get, again, uh, in too deep on a sidetrack, but we see this in abortion as well. There are a lot of people who say, well, um, uh, at the moment of conception, yes, that embryo that is growing inside of a woman is uh, in terms of its physical components and characteristics, yes, uh, it is a human, but it is not a person. 
And what they're saying there is that you can physically be a human, but it's not until much later that uh, your personhood comes into it with your mind, your intellect, and things like that. This this intangible, immaterial part of you that makes you who you are, um, uh, it doesn't come much later. And so it's okay to abort, abort this this physical part because the this other intangible personhood part isn't there yet. And so, again, culture is constantly trying to divide us and constantly trying to emphasize one or the other. And you even see this with social justice issues. This is why I combine these topics together because in the social justice arena, you have people who emphasize the physical characteristics and they don't um, put any emphasis or very little emphasis on uh, who we are as an individual, that personhood, that spiritual component to us. And so if you're of one skin color, then you are you should be elevated because you have been victimized and you've been oppressed. If you're another physical skin color or people group, then you are the victimizers. You're the ones who are doing the oppressing. And, and so we try to... Um, uh, put people in categories based strictly on their physical characteristics. You're going to act this way. You're going to think this way. You're going to vote this way because of your physical makeup and what people group you fall into. Completely overlooking and de-emphasizing who they are as a person and and that intangible uh, spiritual part of them. And so how we view God and how we view how he created us, both body and spirit and soul, is going to affect how we look at this particular issue. And we need to emphasize that when we talk to our kids about these things. We are created in the image of God, both body and soul. And so those things need to be held uh, together and not um, uh, not excluded, excluding one particular element of who we are. So the second thing that I think when we when we factor in who God is and and how he's created us and how it relates to these particular issues is we need to understand that sin has distorted how God has made us. So yes, we're created in the image of God. Yes, uh, he created us both body and soul, but sin has distorted that and has polluted that. So how does that relate to these particular issues that we're talking about? Well, that means that when we talk about the LGBTQ issue, uh, there's always this question of, well, are people born this way or did they choose to be this way? And honestly, biblically speaking, I believe that the answer is both. That people are, yes, um, uh, they're, they're born this way in the sense that we are all born with a sin inclination, a desire, a tendency to rebel against God. And not everyone's sin tendencies are in the same direction. That that seed of sin that's in your heart and it's in my heart doesn't always manifest itself in the same way with various individuals. There may be one person who's more predisposed to lying, someone else who's more predisposed to stealing, someone else who's more predisposed towards homosexuality, someone else who's more predisposed towards adultery and marital uh, infidelity. And so everyone kind of has their own thorn in the flesh, their own uh, sins that tend to trip them up and weigh them down. But here's, and so in a sense, uh, people who maybe are struggling with LGBTQ issues, they may be born with same-sex attraction. Now, the temptation is not the sinful part. It's not sin to be tempted. 
That is where um, uh, that inborn struggle may come. But here's the thing. It is a sin to choose that. So while you may be born with this particular struggle or temptation, you still have a choice to make of whether or not you will trust in Christ and follow his design for your life or whether or not you're going to give into that temptation and be identified with a particular sin. You know, I can choose to be identified with, uh, you know, how silly would it be for me to say, well, I, I am a liar because I struggle with lying, or I am an adulterer because I struggle with adultery. I'm an adultering Christian, or I'm a lying Christian, or I'm a, a, a thieving Christian. We don't identify with our temptations and with our sins. We combat them, and we take them to the cross, and we, we trust in God's design for us. And so that's how our, our worldview and who God is and how he's created things affect us as we approach that issue. Now, as far as... Um, racism and things like that, you know, the question then comes, are people born racist? You know, if you're born white, if you're born black, if you're born whatever, um, are you born racist or are you taught racism? Now, most people tend to uh, say that uh, kids are not born racist, but they are taught to be racist. And there's there's a lot of evidence to that. Um, but I, I'm going to make an argument that as I was thinking through this and as I was preparing for um, this particular study, um, I think it really comes down to, again, both. I think the reason why um, kids are taught that is because um, there is a sin inclination within all of us. Those who are racist who would teach kids that, they themselves, the root problem is their sin. It's not because of something they're taught. It's because there is a sin problem in our hearts and that that leads to racism as well as any other sin. And you even see this uh, where uh, back in Genesis, the Tower of Babel, when uh, there is this um, categorization of people based on similarities. It is natural for people to want to be around other people who are like them, who look like them, talk like them, uh, share the same likes and dislikes uh, that, that you do. Um, but that can become sinful as well when you begin feeling superior to others because of your particular group that you associate with and things like that. That is all uh, a sin issue at its heart, at its root, which brings us to the third thing that we need to uh, consider when we're uh, letting the gospel guide our approach to these particular situations, and that is that Christ is the only solution to that root problem, to that sin problem. It's not teaching people different. It's not um, changing and mutilating our bodies. It's not reverse racism. It's not uh, you know, transgender surgery. It's not indoctrinating our kids in the school system or, or normalizing that behavior by having it in the movies and in commercials and things like that. That is not going to be the answer to the problems that we're seeing around us. That's not going to cure our loneliness. That's not going to cure our depression. Uh, Christ and the gospel are the answer to these problems. It's when we recognize that God has created us to be in a relationship with him. That is our purpose and that we are broken and that we need to be fixed. Both body, our bodies are broken and our souls and our spirit is broken and it needs to be fixed in Christ and in Christ alone. And he is the only one who's going to be able to heal those things. And we're not going to be perfectly healed in this life. We're going to have to constantly, every day, Christian uh, and non-Christian alike, we need to come to Christ and every day um, take our burdens, take our brokenness to him and ask him to uh, give us grace and mercy 
And it's not until Christ comes back and, and, and fixes and redeems not only us, both body and spirit, but also our broken world around us, that we're truly going to experience the healing that all of us are longing for. And that's what we need to teach and emphasize and train up our children for. So let me, real quick, I know we're running close on time, but real quick, uh, let me just give a few key uh, advices to families uh, as it relates to these issues. First, we need to discuss these issues with our children. And we need to do so in an age-appropriate way, absolutely. But oftentimes we as Christians can guard our children maybe too much from these things, um, seeking to protect them. And I understand that tendency, and we do to an extent. But we don't need to guard them so much that when they do eventually get out into the world, and they will, that they are overwhelmed and they are confused by the things that they encounter and the arguments that they hear. I've seen far too many um, church kids who go to college, who get out into the world or whatever it may be, who then really struggle because of the way that they've been overguarded and things like that. And so you need to uh, address these issues and apply the gospel to their questions and things like that in an age-appropriate way. Uh, A lot of people ask me, uh, what age should you start talking about these things? There's no definite, defined age that you should. Uh, Honestly, as parents, we probably would gravitate towards Uh, addressing these things too late because unfortunately these issues are being brought up and our kids are uh, encountering these things earlier and earlier. And so honestly, we probably need to address it earlier than what some of us as parents are comfortable with. Um, Oftentimes I have waited until uh, my kids start coming to me with questions and that's when I begin answering their questions where they are and, and to the extent that they're asking those questions, that's where I, I kind of take it. Now, the, that's only going to be possible if you keep um, the lines of communication open, which kind of brings me to my, my second piece of advice to parents, and that is you need to really make sure that you are Christ-honoring in how you talk about these things. I understand there's a tendency uh, for us to vent our frustrations and our um, our... our anger in some ways towards the things that we're seeing in the world today. I understand that. Here's what we need to be careful of, though. Our kids hear us and how we're talking about these things, how we're talking about government leaders, how we're talking about some of these issues and, and, and people who are involved in these issues and things like that. And if we're not careful, if we speak out of anger or fear or frustration instead of out of, um, out of a biblical worldview, then our kids, when they encounter these things and when our kids maybe fall into some of these things, they may be less likely to come to us with questions and come to us with things that they're struggling with because they already know how strongly we have spoken out against certain things. I'm not saying, you know, not to speak out against things. I'm just saying that when you do speak out against things and when you do approach these things with your children, make sure that they understand that you're speaking truth and love hand in hand, that we we um, we speak out against the sin, but we love the person and hope that God redeems that person and, and speaks to their heart. And so um, that, that's a tricky line to walk, but that's the one that we're called to do. And again, as I said earlier, we need to communicate to our children and, and keep in mind the people that we disagree with and the people that we're bumping up against in this culture who believe differently than us, they're not the enemy. There's an enemy behind them who's using them as puppets to accomplish his ungodly agenda. And so we need to fight against him while loving and winning those people to Christ. And so that's my admonition uh, to each and every one of you. So that kind of uh, finishes up, finishes us up.
uh, for this week. I thank you all so much for tuning in. I, I really appreciate all the encouragement and uh, comments that you all send my way. I, I really do appreciate that. Keep that coming. Next week, we're going to be looking at family devotions and how uh, do families have devotions? How do we train up our kids? This was something I struggled with as a parent. And so um, I hope that you'll join us as we kind of look at some practical ways that we can train up our children day by day in the truths of Scripture and in how to live godly Christian lives. And so with that said, I hope you all take care and have a wonderful week. God bless.